Welcome back, beloveds, to another beautiful episode of Experiment 301. I'm your host, Brother Beloved, also known as Kevin K. Pierce, and I got a real special guest in the building with me today. It's a family affair today on Experiment 301. We got family on. And someone that recently found out inspires me in ways on my journey of content creators. So I'm here not only to ask her about her life, but to get some tips so I can continue to give the people what they want in a more efficient manner. Ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, let me introduce you to Ms. Jara Sajafa. How are you doing today, ma'am? I am good. Thank you so much for having me on. I felt so honored when you hit me up about this, so thank you. Oh, man, no problem, no problem. The pleasure is mine. The pleasure is mine. Before we get started, how are you? How's the family during the quarantine? Everybody's cool, chilling. I'm in the middle of moving out, so, but other than that, everything's cool. All right, cool. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So, I like to start all my interviews off the same way. The year is 1995, and a young Jarta is born where and to who? Okay, so I was born in 96. I was born in D.C., um, Southeast D.C., um, and my mom. <laughs> my mom, so yeah. Shout out to Mom Boots. How long did you stay in uh, Southeast D.C. before you guys moved out? Um, we were only there for like a year. Then my dad got an apartment in Alexandria, Virginia. So we stayed in Alexandria, Virginia for like the first few years of my life. And then we moved to Woodbridge. But my parents are divorced. So my dad always stayed in DC, but he moved to Northwest DC. Mm, okay. um, yeah, but my mom, we, with my mom, um, we moved to Alexandria and then we moved to um, Woodbridge. We were there, we were in Woodbridge for about 10 to 12 years. And then we stayed, um, and then we moved to Montgomery County as my late middle school years started to approach because the schools were better up here. And then my um, dad moved his business up here. So um, yeah, late early high school years, I've, late middle school years, I was in Silver Spring for about another 10 years. And then we just moved to Rockville. There we go. There we go. So since yes. you said you moved to Silver Spring, for those that don't know how Silver Spring, Maryland works, Silver Spring is really like five cities mended into one. Yeah. So which part, which part were we on? Were we in the Wheaton side? Were we in the Langley Park side? Were we in the first Definitely, definitely Wheaton Rockville area. There so, we go. Can I guess yeah. your high? Can I guess your high school? I mean, yeah. John F. <laughs> was it John F. Kennedy? I'm even to Kennedy. I went to Churchill, and uh, that's way across town. So I used to take the I used to take like three buses to get to school. Oh my God! How long of a commute yeah. is it? I used to have to wake up like two hours earlier, so I wouldn't be late for school. So school started at like seven twenty-five. I had to be on the bus late as five thirty in the morning hmm. so my yeah so my mom would either drop me off at the bus stop or she would drop me off at the bus station depending on which one was easier depending on how late i woke up there we go there we go so i ask that because i feel like people don't really factor that in the people with the long commutes i feel like that builds character at a young age like it did because i was 
frustrated and then I got my license and then my dad bought me my first car so like I enjoyed driving to school when I started um college at NC so yeah driving to school was pretty because yeah it was pretty fun pretty much again i know that car was a game changer have you been on the bus since you since you've had your car i bet you ain't even been on the bus oh uh, yeah because truth be told i have a lot of projects in dc and i hate driving in dc <laughs> um so anything dc related i i live in rockville it's a very convenient area so um i just hop on the metro from time to time like if i go to work I use if I go to work and I have to wake up super early, then I just take my car. If I have a lot of time in the day to get to work, then I just hop on the train because I live right next to Shady Grove Metro. So, oh yeah, yeah there we go. This this right around it's right around the corner, you know, convenient. Yeah. So I gotta ask because since we mentioned the family part, that means you as well as me are first generation American from the greatest country in West Africa, Sierra Leone. Debate your grandmother, not me. So, <laughs> I gotta ask, what are some of the experiences coming up as a first-generation American? <sighs> Honestly, it's a lot of pressure to graduate college on time, no cats. Um, but you know what? When I started paying for school myself, my parents were like, all right, just take your time because we know college is expensive and this way you actually won't have debt when you leave college so there is just a lot there's also a lot of stigma around community college that hasn't been talked about because i was at a community college for quite some time before i finally transferred but it also helped me um save save a lot of money before transferring to a university so yeah but other than that, um, there's just a lot of pressure growing up on my end, at least. It's, I feel like it could be different for everybody else, but I don't know if it's because I'm the oldest of um, five. Maybe that's why they're always pressuring, to, pressuring me, but yeah, that's about it. Just the pressure. I feel, I feel two things on that. Number one, there is no stigma against community college on this show. <laughs> the last lesson, we are about securing the bag and using it wisely. So why would there be a stigma? I never understood why there's a stigma against taking all your preliminary classes cheaper, some cases free, at a school closer to home. You don't have to move out and do the whole dorm thing. And it's not like it's a difference of like a couple thousand dollars. Tuition's at some school. Like, for example, my school is Stevenson. Tuition was $35,000. Exactly. Now imagine if I would have hopped over to MC for the first two years, how much we could have saved. Yeah, it was it was nice because financial financial aid helped a lot in my time there. But you know, once you've extended your time there, they can only help so much. But even when I had to start paying out of pocket, I was still cool. Like I mean, just making sure I had my associates and got out. So. There we yeah. go. There we go. There we go. So the second part I really relate to is the pressure because I'm my dad's oldest and my mom's middle child. And that mm-hmm. constant college pressure was insane. Sadly, I made the decision of going to a four-year school, <laughs> going to a four-year <laughs> school. So it didn't, the concept of debt was such an afterthought to them. They're just like, no, graduation. What's going on? Graduation. Da-da-da-da. Yeah. 
And so I graduate I next winter, and I'm still feeling that pressure. So I get that. There we go. First off, congratulations on um, in advance because this Thanks. upcoming winter or the winter after this. Huh? This upcoming winter or the winter after this. The winter, winter twenty one. There we go. We gonna so, be. We gonna, we gonna make sure we pull up with all the big signs. Let me get something big with your face on it. Maybe a of mega course. one. I'm not, I've been known yeah. to embarrass a few people. So you noticed that. Uh, so you did say that you. Uh, what's my call? That you're going to the big. That you have the four year university now. So which school is that, and what are you majoring? In? I'm at the Maryland Institute College of Art. My major is film production, and my minor is music studies. There we go. There we go. And the reason why I'm happy you uh, mentioned your production because you have started a company called. Yes. So surprisingly enough, um, I started my company back in, when I was at MC. Um, I really got into film and production stuff because of the program they had there. I actually have a TV production certificate from Montgomery College along with my associate's degree. So I was very into it and I was a junior producer on MCTV. So I like enjoyed it. And then I became an editor on the Montgomery Advocate as well. So anything surrounding entertainment and journalism and photography, I was there for because I'm the advocate thinking about all types of trades. Yeah. So I was just like, I really enjoyed my time. And the other thing was I I enjoyed my time at MC because being on the advocate, the newspaper there, it gave me a leeway to work my way up to being a paid editor, or whatever. So it helped me out a lot, and it made me find my passion for, um, it made me find my passion for photography and film, which led me to work with MCTV and whatnot. So, yeah. So a lot of people uh, don't realize that that's also part of the college experience, like. I'm not sure if you went, did you go originally for uh, production or was it something else? No, like, I don't want to put a stereotype on us, but like a lot of us, I went to school for nursing. Of course. Exactly. And my mom was putting so much pressure on me. For two weeks into the semester, I was like, nah, and I dropped. Two weeks into my first semester, I said nope, and I dropped all my classes. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to wait till the next semester, and then I had to figure out what I do. But I just started off as a general studies, um, as a new general studies major, mm-hmm. and then it wasn't until I had to take my first communication course where I actually really, really enjoyed it. Number one, because I aced it, of course, and number two, oh, no. <laughs> because I just liked. Um, the topic that communication brings because it doesn't bring out that conversation in like a lot of my other classes but um, and people forget that the communication major that's what I graduated from I graduated with IMC I graduated with a communications degree and um, TV production certificate with a minor in business so um it just, communication, studying communication made me very happy because I got to experience journalism, 
um, and everything that has to do with communications because communication can lead you into teaching, it can lead you into acting, it can lead you into the entertainment field. So, yeah. I like that. I like that. And again, you made full use of your experience at MC. You weren't just there taking classes. No, I was like, all right, we're going to do journalism, we're going to do the TV side, and we get more experience here. So you were able to get experience, and because most people feel like it's one or the other unless you do like a senior capstone type thing where you have to get an internship, where it's like, oh, I'm just put all my study on these books, and or I'm going to just go do a bunch of internships or hop in. You were able to mesh between both. And yeah. Go ahead. No, you can finish. I was listening. And, and that's what led us to It's a Dream Production. Talk to us a little bit more about that. So It's a Dream Production actually started off as a media company, and I started that during my time at school. Um, I was very into photography and stuff like that. I hadn't started charging people, but people were really loving my work. So um, I was doing photo shoots, like, right after photography class, and I was just, like, giving it my all so I was just like okay I want to do something along the lines of a production company most definitely because people were also giving me the chance to film music videos and whatnot so I was just like very excited about my work and my portfolio um and I knew I was good because Micah accepted me <laughs> so I was just like all right that sounds about right so I enjoyed my I enjoyed doing all the artsy stuff, but as I kind of like grew artistically, I still wanted to incorporate more of a business. I did want to do more event and concert planning because I had started that about two years ago because I'm friends with a lot of artists in the DMV area and they always complain about oh, Drew and I don't know how to put on a show or I need help with just event planning and stuff like that. So I've put on a few shows at like Songbird DC, the Fillmore, um, with like local artists and stuff like that. So that's been like, that's of course been fun to do and I hope to continue doing that. And um, not only that, I provide these artists with like creative direction and their photography and artistic needs if they still need that within me. But I have, we've changed our direction into going to um, creative direction and event planning. So specifically for concerts and tours. So yeah. So let me tell you why I love that so much. So something I'm really big on is so often, far too often, people from the DMV have to leave. To, to try to make it. They have to go to a Hollywood and Atlanta and New York. And my eventual goal with the PG Content Factory is to have them be able to have all they need, that Hollywood-esque environment, to be right here in Maryland. Preferably PG County, but right here in Maryland. Like, yeah. I, I think of, like, a Wale or Brent Fiaz or whoever else leaves this, had to leave the state to make it. And I'm like, dang, imagine if all that income, all that tax, all the things that could have been better invested into upbuilding our community that is exactly. now elsewhere. So I really, I really appreciate what you're doing in the direction you're giving the artists. But I do have a couple questions to get into the nitty gritty of it. Number one, who inspires you artistically? Artistically, that's a great question. Um, I'm not even going to cap. A lot of my friends, 
they inspired me like to the fullest to be my full creative self because sometimes I have a creative block and then we go do something and I come back and I feel so much better because or we would go work on what we have to do and something just sparks in me and I come back and finish off what I've been working on. So yeah. There you go. Shout out to the friends. Shout yeah. out to the friends. Number two, I want to know what's the most difficult part about working with an artist? What's the most difficult? What's the last part? What's the most difficult part about working with artists? Um, <laughs> that's a very difficult question. Um, just putting out their vision because sometimes you may not understand it, but you do have to be very patient with a lot of these artists and just try to get, try to help them get their vision across, whether it's for an entire show, an entire um, music video. Music videos are the hardest. So, yeah. So I I'm trying that. to make them, yeah, I'm trying to make them, I have to reassure a lot of these artists that they're worth it. So, yeah. There we go. There we go. So I've, I've heard that the artsier the artist, the harder it is for them to communicate their vision. Have you found that true in your, in your, uh, yeah. And sometimes you don't know how to make that clear. That's why you have to make sure you have to reassure a lot of these artists that they got it. Be patient with yourself, then come back to me with the full vision. Because sometimes they will only have bits and pieces of their vision and bring that, try to put that together. But sometimes you just need a little bit more detail. So, yeah. There we go. So what's the best, so I've asked about the difficult part. What's the best part? The best part, nightlife and traveling. Um, before this COVID stuff, I was going to New York a lot and I had a few opportunities to travel. So I'm kind of bummed about it because all the travels were moved to later on this year and early next year. Because um, my school is, I'm not sure about where my school stands for COVID, but I, I now have the option to work remotely on school next semester. So, yeah. But, yeah. So, what are some of the, well, you mentioned New York. What are some of the best, what are some of the best traveling stories you have associated with the company? Um, I got to work with my favorite K-pop artist. He was actually my very first client. Um, he goes by the name of Jay Park. Him and Chase Malone, they hired me to do media production for their show. So that was like a dream. That was literally a dream come true because I was already doing K-pop reactions and they loved my videos. And then when they found out that I actually did media, um, they hired me for the show. So yeah, it was that was quite the experience to work with like one of my K-pop idols. So yeah. That's awesome, first of all. Like that kind of first early job and it's something like that that you're actually passionate about. So you don't gotta yeah. pretend to do you find do you have to be a fan of the artist's music to work with them? Yes and no. Because I would hate to turn away a client just because I didn't vibe with their music. You know, to me that doesn't seem fair. So I just 
I take I take on all clients, you know. So yeah. Whether okay. I vibe with their music or I don't. <laughs> so yeah. But I assume it's easier to just work with like you said, you got your K pop idol. I assume that went well as opposed that to That went over very well. So they've offered me something since then, but you know, because of school and I was still living with my mom, I kind of too much because you know, my mom's like a worry wart about me being a single black woman traveling the world. So, fair, yeah. con fair, fair concerns, but you know, you know how our parents can be taking just a little, 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 yeah. little like exactly. we started off in such a great place and then now we're now we're here i don't know how we ended yeah. up here we are. <laughs> so you yeah. brought up you brought up covid a couple times so i want to ask as being in the space you're in with event planning concert planning working on other types of cinematography how is that directly affecting your field because as we all know there are no concerts right now, and we don't really have a a when this is coming back so how is that affecting you directly now it affects me so much because this is my main field um, and a lot of us, in order to bring in business, nightlife is all we know. It's what we do. So it's like, oh my God, we literally can't do anything. I have like four shows planned for these great Toronto artists. I was starting, finally starting to work with more verified artists and like adding, adding names to my chart. I had like four shows booked for the summer, all gone. Uh, so, and I also had a music festival that I was trying to plan um, at RFK uh, State Park, gone. So <laughs> it was very frustrating, like, because now all my hard work is on hold. But I also look at it as a, look at it as a blessing because now I can actually really take my time, breathe a little bit plan more into detail of how I want to execute my vision for all these shows that have been pushed to either 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 later this year or next year but either way it's gonna happen um it's gonna happen so I've been just working on executing my vision correctly and actually just replanning everything because it doesn't have to go over your own details so Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to end with a couple more fun questions. Because I don't want to end on the whole COVID fucked up my life. Uh, <laughs> 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 don't want to yeah. end on that. We end with something uplifting. So clearly there's a love for music since you work so closely to it. So I want to ask, what is your Mount Rushmore of artists? A musical artist, whatever that means to you. Boy, if I had to choose my top five great artists, that is so hard. Okay, let me choose, let me just say my top five. Um, Michael Jackson, of course, because I can't oh, oh, Of him. course, of course. Um, I want to put Usher up there because, you know, Usher is like an R&B king in my eyes. I grew up listening to Usher. Mine too. Um, love us some Usher. I don't care what y'all say he has. I don't care. I love Usher. <laughs> exactly. I love and plus, you know, Michael inspired him a, a whole lot. Yes. Um, who else? New generation. Um, right now. Dang, this is hard. Why did I get myself this project? <laughs> I love Kaylani. I love her music. So I really want a chance to work with her. Um, 
I love Wale because I got a chance to work with Wale last year. Did you? Yes, he was so... He was the coolest person I know, and I, I was like, this man is such a DMV guy. <laughs> hold on, so, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Right when you're done Mount Rushmore, I need you to tell that story because there's a stigma against Wale about him being hard to work with, and I need you to disprove it. Okay, and then the last one, I have to say, um, Afrobeat artist Brenda Boy, because not only have I worked with him, that's actually how, it, that, that was the same night I met Wale in a pool of a bunch of other cool artists as well. So yeah. All right. So we got we got to talk about Wale because yeah. I don't know when it became trendy to hate on Wale, but I hate it. Like I hate it. He don't bother nobody. <laughs> Wale That's what don't I'm saying. He's nobody. always for he's always for our people. Always speaking up on issues, and he always reps the DMV. Not only that, Wale is always the person that's always like giving us the underground artists and helping them blow up and then one day blow when that person blows up, everybody starts hitting on them too. But at the same time, if you ain't gonna hate or you ain't do, doing anything right. So yeah. But I met Wale at the Brenner Boy show. I had just finished interviewing Brenner Boy. Um for an article I was talking about for a second production. So um yeah, I had just finished interviewing Brenda Blake because I was actually there for my um, friend. She was opening up. She was opening up for a Brenner Boy that night at Echo Stage last year. Mm -hmm. um, I actually got a minute to talk to Brenner Boy's manager. He let me upstairs. I interviewed him, and that was that. And then little did I know, Wale was in the building too. Um, well, I think it was Wale and Two the Fool that was in the building, so that was kind of crazy. But I was able to say hi to Wale. I got like a little bit of video footage of him, like just asking him a couple of questions um, about his next projects and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was like quite a night because I got to do production, I got to do a little interviewing, so it was really fun. You're in, the, you're in these clubs shaking and moving. Like, you're <laughs> yes. like, I got to do these interviews. I got to introduce myself to certain people. How do you met? How do you manage that? And, like, if you haven't been to clubs in D.C., I can barely talk to the person next to me. So how are you, so how are you <laughs> going around making all these everlasting relationships and working and kind of, I don't want to say, maneuvering through the room, if you will? Honestly, um... If I vibe with somebody by the end of the night, I just find them on Instagram, and the next morning they hit me up, and then we probably go for coffee or something the following day. So that's how I network. I go to the club, party, party it up with people. They introduce me to more people after the next day. They invite me out to another party or to another club or whatever. And it's kind of a it's, it's a kind of a cycle. cycle. Yeah. So that's how, like, that's why I'm like, I'm, I'm low-key missing my nightlife, but I'm also not too ready to go back to it just yet because of this whole COVID thing. So, yeah. There we go. Dang. So I, I didn't even think about that at first, but the shutdown of bars and the concert things, like, we really, we got to get this back together. Like, <laughs> I read an article that this might not come back till 2021, and if so, then I just have to focus on filming music videos and photo shoots again because that's 
gonna be hard on me and I need some type of income. <laughs> like I said, securing the bag and using the wisely. We're all here yeah. for it. So talk about uh so you say you met Burner Boy that same night. Was that the same maneuvering through the room, getting yes. to the performer or because I was talking to Brenner Boy's manager. I didn't even know he was Brenner Boy's manager. Because um, we are just talking about life and everything. So, because Brenner Boy had sh showed up like two hours late, but it was supposed to be like a whole party at Echo Stage. So his fans were getting a little rowdy. You know, it's Echo Stage, Southeast DC. It's like a big ghetto. So <laughs> fans were getting a little rowdy. Him and I were just chopping it up. Um, I was like, yeah, I wish I can get an interview with Brenner Boy. He was like, oh, I'm his manager. I was like, what? <laughs> then he just, so, uh, then he just takes me upstairs to where Brenner Boy was there. I, I didn't believe him at first, but then he just took me upstairs to, like, um, the artist room. So I was just like, oh my god, there he is. So I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, whoa, like, I need to relax. But I was just like, okay, Burna Boy is here. I also got to meet Souls Wale, Burna Boy, and Afrobeat that night. I spoke to Afrobeat um, right after he got off stage. But he's a cool dude, too, because at the time, uh, his song, Joanna, was popping. So, mm. yeah. Jo you asked me, Joanna's still popping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you asked yeah. me. You turn that joint. You turn that joint on right now. My shoulders just start to I, see. Right. I need the throw. It just happens. So, exactly. All right. So, not to be the bear, but I do have to ask: Does it usually go that smoothly when it comes to trying to meet artists? Or no, because sometimes the manager is, you always got to have a backup, backup, backup. You got to have a backup for your backup for your backup plan. There we so, go. Some managers can be very flaky. So you always have to keep the manager's information and the artist assistant's information. Because if the manager can't be helpful, then you have the artist assistant backup. So say I have a meeting with another artist i need their manager's information and their artist information the um their assistant's information because sometimes the manager is too all over the place but the assistant keeps up the real schedule for that artist that was actually so, my follow-up question who's easy who's easier uh as far as keeping up in communication the assistant or the manager because i would think the assistant yeah, the assistant is very easy to keep up a communication because they have their own phone and that artist's phone on the majority of the time. So the assistant is the best reach because the manager, he's just trying to get word back from what from the assistant most of the time. And then the manager has the final decision. So yeah, but in my opinion, I think I, I usually, I go to the manager first chop it up with them because they do have the you know official stamp on the times and whatever but mm -hmm. for the most part if anything were to happen my backup plan is the assistant so yeah all right shout out to all the assistants across the world i know y'all yeah, <laughs> <laughs> i was just thinking that once this blows up a little bit more for me i'm definitely going to need to be an assistant so as a fellow content creator myself I have to, I have to ask, since I'm budding, I just finished, at the time of recording this, we literally just finished our first month 
of putting out the podcast and starting a, a content company and yada, yada, yada. So what are some tips you have for me as a young content creator trying to make it in this crazy, crazy world? It is crazy. Um, just be as creative, the creative you that you've always wanted to be. Just let it flow. Don't be scared to show all your creative sides. Um, because that has happened to me. I've always been scared to like put out a certain piece of work. I'm like, how are people gonna react to this? I don't know. So, <laughs> um, just be as creative as you can be with your work. Um. Never doubt yourself, because I have done that in the past. Um, and work with people who you know are going to support, support you throughout the entire time. Um, and or if you stay independent, just have faith in yourself. Because having faith in yourself is what's going to take you far places. Because I remember when I first started, a lot of people were on my side, and trying to help me grow, but at the same time, they're against me. So that's kind of what made me stay independent. And then I also realized I had a lot of supporters. So just be faithful in what you're doing. Yeah, your faith will take you far. Just make sure you have, and make sure you are consistent with your work. Being consistent is like the biggest thing with everybody right now. So yeah. There we go. I like that. Faith will take you far and be consistent. It's great for us to end on. Darcy, you've been more than gracious with your time. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you for having me up again. I felt so honored when you hit me up. I was like, oh, Kevin, I would like to be here in a minute. Let's get to see. Because I, I actually listened to your first podcast on um, Facebook. I was just like, oh, wow, he's doing music right now. So, yeah. In front of all of us. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Hey, and our maybe our paths across again professionally. You never know. Hopefully, so. And it's almost time for a reunion between fans because I haven't actually physically seen you in how long. So. Oh yeah, trust me. The moment all this yeah. COVID stuff, the moment all this COVID stuff clears up, we hitting these clubs. Trust me. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you, Steve, calling me from here. So like yeah. you know, we go hit make sure we hit up all the right spots, but. But, for Mr. Yeah. Johnson Johnson, for myself, Kevin K. Pierce, also known as Brother Beloved, this has been Experiment 301. Thank you, fans, for listening this far. Could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. And that's good for my ego. So we'll be back <laughs> with y'all next episode.